When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everyone, to the FlowTrack Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. I am Kevin Sully in a sound booth in Austin, Texas, joined by Gordon Mack, who's in another sound booth next to me, but I don't even know which wall I'm speaking to you through, Gordon. But this is the closest we've ever been to recording in the same place since last March. I know. If I knock on the – I'm going to knock on one of the walls, see if you hear it. You hear it? Which one? That one? No, this one? You hear it? That might have no. been it. That second one might okay. have been it. But the soundproofing is serious yeah. here. There you go. Yeah, I'm in here because I don't have internet in my new house. So the technician is coming in between 9 and 11 a.m. So hopefully I have internet when I go back home from the office. Mm-hmm. So, that's, so that's, that's the situation. <laughs> we, have, we have an incredible week ahead of us here incredible couple weeks here we do. with the ncaa outdoor championships kicking off on wednesday we'll get to that we got more continental tour meets on tap live on flow track and we got some recap podcasts on tap again can you let people know what the schedule is for the wednesday and friday shows yeah so ncaa starts on wednesday um i think evening because it's on in eugene time uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday is the NCAA championships, and we're going to go live right after the Wednesday and Thursday podcasts, 10.20 p.m. Central for Wednesday, 8.50 p.m. Central for Thursday, and then on Friday and Saturday, we'll go live during the actual competition at 7 o'clock on Friday and at 5 o'clock on Saturday. So we'll do quick recap ones right after the 10Ks on Wednesday and Thursday, and then during all the finals on Friday, Saturday, we'll be doing a live reaction pod throughout the entire duration of the meet. And then the following week, we'll do a couple pods here and there, Monday, Wednesday, and then guess what? It's Olympic trials where we'll do a live pod after every day of competition um, starting on Friday, June 18th. And it's going to be a late night for us because a lot of this competition is at night on the West Coast, so we'll be going live at 10 p.m. Central uh so if you're on the west coast if you're on the east coast you're going to be doing some midnight pod and listening if you if you're really into uh track and field Just stay up late uh get some uh, coffee and uh listen to us talk about track yeah on live on the youtube channel that's where you can listen to it or archive yes. later on the site or wherever you listen to podcasts you can wake up early the next morning and have it be the thing that gets you going first thing in your day or get you ready for the next day of action. A lot of different options, a lot of podcasts coming. I was curious, Gordon, what Travis was going to name today's episode because it could have gone in a million different directions because it seemed like with each passing day, the ante was being upped by another amazing performance and another crazy performance. And he settled on a good one here, which is Olympic favorites are putting on a show, which 
I think is pretty accurate given the last few days. I guess we should start yesterday. We should so it's just go like in reverse order here. Uh, Safan Hassan, world record in the 10,000, 29.06 in Hangalo. Remember, she got close to it, close-ish to it last year in horrible weather and running by herself. So the thought process was, hey, if she comes back and catches some good weather and is really targeting this thing, she can have a go at it. She just obliterated this thing. She ran alone after the first six minutes of this race. She beats Almaz Ayana's record which was 29-17. I got to say, Gordon, you know, she's got some medals to get in her career before she's, you know, considered one of the, you know, in that GOAT conversation because she's relatively new to the meddling side of things. But I think she's already established herself on the women's side as having the greatest range of any women's distance runner because she's done it in championships now she's done the 15 10 which nobody's ever done and i get she had to do that because the schedule was screwed up but she still did it the 15 the 10 now she has the 10,000 meter world record 2906 she has the mile world record she has a 351 1500 pb she's run a 156 800 and she's run a 65 minute half marathon everything she does now just supports the argument that we've never seen anyone on the women's side have the level of range of Safan Hassan, do you think she's beatable this year in whatever event she decides to run at, at the Olympics? Yeah, it's look at you remind me 156 800 to 2906 10k. That is that's insane because 156 is like that that could win any given year in an 800 at the world stage, and then mm -hmm. so you have that speed all the way up to the 10k. It's it's incredible. Um, I mean, anyone's beatable, uh, especially in a distance race, I feel, because there's multiple factors. I feel like you're more of a lock as the sh races get shorter than as they get longer, in my opinion, uh, because, you know, elements, something happens, you never know. She's definitely the heavy favorite. I don't know really right now who is the closest to her. Um, it just, like, you. I thought her, you know, when what was the year when she did a ten, that was what seventeen or was that nineteen when she did a ten it was nineteen when she did 19. the ten fifteen and I felt like that was like her going to be her peak of her career and I felt like she kind of was gonna kind of go down not downhill but like not be still going upwards in trajectory of what her true capability would be in her career and I guess I probably thought that because of the pandemic and you stop seeing people race as often. And you kind of just feel like, oh, I guess they're done. You know, it's 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 going. They're on the the downwards of their career, but then to come out of here in 2021 before the Olympic Games and run the world record, it kind of reminds you that like she's still in the the peak of her of her career of mm -hmm. whatever of her dominance, and that 2019 isn't going to be the beginning the the the, the the pinnacle of her career. I feel like 2021, 2022 has a chance to be her pinnacle after, you know, going into the Olympics, with the 2906 PB. I think you're, you're pretty set uh, for the next few years. Um, and I, I don't think I, I I'm going to pick her to win. The only way I see her losing is if like it gets in a really, really weird sit and kick race. But even then she is one of the best kickers in in the in the world so 
she clearly shows she can go fast in 29.06, an honest effort, and she shows mm-hmm. she can kick because she knows how to run the 15 and the 8 really quick. So, hey, uh, right now she's the top dog, and I, I don't see anyone beating her. Um, I mean, has it been was- officially decided what event she's running at the Olympics? Has that been No, and with, and with Stefan Hassan, you never know. You never know with Stefan Hassan yeah. until she takes the first step in that first round because even in yeah. – Doha, there was questions about what she was going to do. Even when the that one of those doubles was completely impossible, they you could not still get a a straight answer of like what she's doing. I'm like, no, I'm because Lincoln and I floated it very early on in 2019. We were looking at the schedule and we were saying, man, this actually sets up for a a 15-10 thing, but that's crazy. No one would actually do a 15-10. And then she went and did it. I think Lincoln called it the Safanathon, and. You thought, okay, well, you're right. Maybe that was gonna be that was gonna be it. I mean, the 351 in that final was was nuts, and some of her splits in her 10k were nuts. When I was watching this race, which you can watch, by the way, where Gordon on Flow Track. Okay, she's clicking and off also 70s, on YouTube, man. Our YouTube channel. Yeah. Subscribe. She's she's clicking off 70s, 70, 70, 70, 70, 70 the whole way through, and you know she drifted maybe a little bit here and there, but it was just. It was so smooth. It was so effortless. It was like Trey Young going off a pick and roll and just nailing a three, just time and time and time again. And I started thinking, with no one around her, really, after six minutes, are we going to see sub-29 soon? And are we going to see a sub-14 soon from Safan Hassan? 100%. I mean, six seconds over 25 laps is not that much. it's not like she has to be that I, yeah, I think we're definitely, and it's like a, it's a close barrier where like, it's something that like, if the world record was like 29, 46, there, mm-hmm. no one's like, Ooh, I can get to 29, 30. You know, people love seeing those, that 59.99. And I think when the current record now is at the 06, six seconds away. And especially also in the, in the 5k. Yeah. I definitely think, in the next four years, we're going to see a sub-29 and a sub-14, 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, she seems hey, like man. the top candidate. In the, in the 5K, it seems like she'd be amazing. Like she'd be a perfect candidate to to get that record from Latenza Pekade, take it to the next level. You look at her 5,000-meter PB, right, and you're like, yeah, 14-22? All right. That's a great PB, but when you put it up with 156, 65, 2906, 351, you're like, you got some, you got some seconds to shave off there. You could go even faster than your, than your 1422, Safan Hassan. It's it's incredible to, to think that, but that's, that's in play. And man, it's going to be, the challenge is going to be finding someone to pay. If, if she wants to do another 10,000 and go for sub 29, which I don't think would be this year, it would probably be something that she would tackle next year. Or if it was this year, it'd be late in the year past the Olympics. So that's just a huge effort. They need to find somebody who could pace her, but then you're talking about somebody who can run, finding a woman who can run 1430 for 5k to get you halfway. Or even if you want to do it shorter, you're asking someone to run a very fast pace for 3,000 meters, which is tough. I mean, 1430, I mean, there's been fewer than 66, perfor- 66 performances that are in history for the women that are 14, faster than 1430. So the list of potential rabbits for Safan Hassan 
is very, very short. It's not a it's not a large list at all. I thought, Gordon, I don't know. Do you remember do you remember that 2016 world record race with Alma Zayana at the Olympics and just how weird that one was? Yes. I I do remember that one. Yeah. So that one was a crazy outlier too, because the old record was above uh, 30. She drops it down to 29.17. A million people PR'd, right? Molly Huddle was way was way back, but she was running the race of her life. But you you never would have known because all the attention was on what was going up at uh, on up front, and the splits that Ayana was running were otherworldly. But there was a huge negative split in that race as well too. So I thought, okay, well, yeah, this is an outlier, but there were some things in this race that made me think it could be improved. Did I think it was going to go all the way down to 29.06? Maybe not, maybe not that quick, but you just put Safan Hassan's marks into a calculator. You put what she's done in the half, as I said, in the mile. And this is probably close to what you get when you have an athlete with these type of abilities across a bunch of different events. Yeah. If you go back, uh, Travis, bring up Safan Hassan's uh, profile page when show all of her PBs. There is a legitimate case that I think she could break the 1,500-meter world record. I think she also mm-hmm. can get the 3K and 5K. And if you look at that, she could own the world record in the 15-mile, 3K, 5K, 10K, one-hour, 5K road. Hell, go get that 10K road. Basically, everything <laughs> in line is just WR, 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 WR. Uh, she just have world record range from 15 up all the way to the, to the one-hour mark. And she's 45 seconds off in the half marathon, if you want to throw that out there as well, too. I think at that point, I know we always say medals mean more than records, but if someone does that, I think you need to bump it ahead of all the medals. If you can sweep all the world records in your discipline. I don't know if she'll ever run faster than 156 for the eight because she's going to longer distances. But but that's, an like you said, that's an amazing time. That's a time that can, can win world championships. So, yeah, something fun to watch. She's racing on 1500 this week, so she's dropping down. She's run basically every distance this year already. She's run an eight. She's run. She'll be running a 15. She's run a five. She's run a ten. Um, it'll be interesting to see her in that 15 against Kip Yegon, reigning champion Laura Muir, etc. Man, man, what a race for for Safan Hassan there in in Hangalo, a site of a lot of other world records. So she adds her name. To that list let's stick with 10k right now i know this wasn't the most but one of the most uh this was not the most impressive performance of the weekend but it's pretty consequential when mo farah 10-time gold medalist struggles gordon he needs to get the standard here in 2750 in this race and time is running out for farah to even be able to compete in tokyo and that is not a sentence i thought i was going to say he was not a factor in this european cup 10k yeah, I mean, so does he need to get a standard because British Athletics is requiring him to get this standard, or does he need to get the standard because World Athletics is requiring it? I believe it's because World can Athletics. he get in? But can he get in on like a ranking? If I'm assuming British say, Athletics hey. is not going to say no to Mofera, I'm going to go out on a limb yeah. and say if they had a rule, there is no longer a rule. So like. Maybe he could get on. I don't know what how the world ranking thing works in the 10K because it's not a big a field. So maybe everyone 
we'll have the standard. But yeah, eighth place in that field. He just lost to Mar- Mark Scott. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really take much away from the gap of victory because I think there's like it's either you have it or you don't, and eventually it's just like all right, we're 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 not doing it. We're just kind of closing in and like uh he probably knew in the final 10 laps it wasn't happening it wasn't going to be his day so mm-hmm. you can't really take much by losing by 30 seconds but he is running out of time and it did seem kind of what was the reasoning why he wanted to go back to the track i mean he retired from the track why didn't he just be like i'm done like why is he tempting himself with another run he's 38 years old hey man it's okay to like to not be a professional 10k runner anymore like it's okay to move on and just collect your speaking fees at college graduations as the one of the greatest <laughs> distance runners in the world of all time i don't know like why is he putting himself through this is he just he can't handle watching a world-class 10k without him in it he probably hated watching 2019 from the sideline is that it i don't know well, he, here's his quote uh, from The Guardian. It says, uh, when asked whether he believed he could still win at the Olympics, which starts in six weeks' time, Farrow replied, yeah, I believe so. It will take courage and balls to be able to go out there and mix it with the guys. So he had a, He said he had a, an issue with his foot in this race. But if we're talking about six weeks before the Olympics, if we're talking about whether or not you can get a qualifier, that means you're in trouble because you're going against guys like Joshua Cheptegei. You're going against guys like Jacob Kiplimo, guys who run well under 27 minutes. I obviously think he can get it together in time to qualify for the Olympics, but making a, a podium now is a long shot. Why did he do it? I think two words. Your guy that you interviewed on this show, you talked to him about running on cruise ships, Eliud Kipchoge. I think that's the reason why people abandon the marathon. And I think he thought, now remember, he made this decision for the 2020 olympics that was the thought process not the 2020 olympics but i think he thought my chances of a medal in the 10,000 are going to be better than they are in the marathon because you basically have uh kipchoge taking up a spot and then you know Ferris run some obviously some good marathons but there are others who are more than capable of beating him not to mention the guys like kipchoge who are basically a lock to beat him and i think that's what he thought was the best path to a medal now since that time Chepta guys emerged as a force. Kiplimo's emerged as a force. And then he's running up against the reality that when you get older, finding that speed is difficult. For the marathon, it's difficult. And, and for the 10K, it's difficult. So that that's why I think he did what he did. I think it, at the moment, he thought that was his best chance to medal. I liked it from it. I mean, it added another angle because I don't think we would have. If Farrah won this race, put up, put, up, put up those results again. If Farrah cruised in this race and ran you know, 27-20, I think we'd be saying, all right, well, he got his qualifier. And then if we never saw him again until the Olympic final, would you would you have counted him out for a medal? No, you wouldn't have counted him out for a medal because you say he's Mo Farah and he's going to have a kick at the end of the thing and uh, at the end of the race and maybe he can pull it off. Even though him running 27-20 puts him you know, 200 meters behind guy. But we would have believed that he could do it because he's Mo Farah. And I think Mo Farah's convinced himself that's that's true too. I think 
Mo Farah has an addiction problem, and he's addicted to trying to get world championship medals. He has <laughs> so many already. Over, I mean, what, he has over 10. I'm not, how many times has he won a global medal? 10 goals. Bring up, he's won 10, 10 golds, not to mention probably some silvers and, the and bronzes. Sil- in the, the two silvers at two silvers at the end. So he's got 12. He's got 12 total. He's got 12. And does that include indoors? He probably has a couple indoors too. I don't even know. But like – he needs to this like you don't need 13 man you don't you don't need it's okay to like run in your twilight of your career and not thinking all right what's the best way to medal like i think he should have just done the marathon and like yeah kipchoge's in there but like who cares like uh, challenge yourself you don't need to like scratch and crawl to get yet another like you've already proven it to the world that you're on the greatest track 10k 5k runners that's ever lived mm-hmm. Getting a thirteenth isn't gonna be like, oh, that's the one that does it. Like, yeah, it's okay. It's okay to like. I mean, we see this in all sports, right? And like, where people in their twilight of their career are always chasing that one last championship, that mm-hmm. one last go. And for some people, I think most of the time it doesn't work out. And I feel like the only person who has been really successful in the twilight of their career is Tom Brady. And I think it's just because it's the nature of the way the quarterback position is played. But I feel like you can see LeBron James now dealing with injuries. I'm not sure if LeBron's going to be like dominating at age 38, the way he probably thinks he's going to be, you know, Kobe fell off at 35, 36. Uh, you, you just see it a lot in other professional sports that once you cross that 35 year barrier and get closer to 40, you can do incredible things like do a Bernard Legat and qualify for the Olympic Games, right, at, at an old age. Or do like a Meb Kofleski and do an incredible thing at, at the old age of 40 and stuff like that. But to like put the expectation that I don't just want to qualify, I want to be top three in the world, I think it's a little too much. I think it's okay think you have to, to just stay. At that, at that level, I think you have to convince yourself because – the motivation required to get going and your thought process you've yeah. only won you're right silver was a failure for him all those years gold was the expectation because he did it so many times i think you have to convince yourself and i think he was a good marathoner but i think you could legitimately in 2019 you legitimately could have made an argument before the huge jump up from chapter guy i think you could have made an argument that eh, he might have a better chance in the 10k of getting a medal than he is in the marathon because we had seen the marathon enough times the first couple times you're like small sample size. All right. He gets a win in Chicago, but then he has, you know, an off race. I don't know where he's at, but I think clearly it would have been a challenge to get a medal in both races, but you could have said something goes crazy in the 10 K and you get a tactical race or something that plays to his favor. Maybe he could, maybe he could pull it off, but, but right now, yeah, it looks dire when you're talking about trying just to qualify, but speaking of older athletes, Shelly and Fraser price, 34 years old, goes out there and runs a lifetime best. Now, you might you might want to quantify, hey, how big of a deal was this? Well, this was a big enough deal to put JoJo on the BBC, folks. That's how fast <laughs> this time was. Frazier Price, 10.63. Only Flojo has run faster. She didn't even lean at the line. Does not even lean at the line. We'll talk about Bromel in a bit, too. He didn't lean either. Nobody was leaning this weekend. I think it's too early in the season to lean if you're running the 100. That was my one takeaway from this. 
But this just amps up the 100. This takes the 100 on the women's side, Gordon, to a whole new level. We've seen what Shakari did, but Fraser Price dropping a 10-6, something she had said she wanted in her career. But everybody was probably like, okay, that's a, that's a good goal to have. Uh, you can probably still keep winning medals, but are you going to be able to PR still? Are you going to be able to run that far under 10-7 still? And I, I just can't believe it. This was, this was a shock. If you told me in 10 years we were never going to see a, tub, a sub, you know, a time this quick, I might have I believed you. And that's even with Richardson doing what she's done this year because we just haven't, haven't seen this time uh, yet in our lifetime. Yeah, I did not see this coming, uh, especially at her age. Talk about it. she's 34. Um, I thought what she did in 2019 was incredible enough, but this is like yeah. making 2019's wins just feel like years ago because 10-6 is a different level. Um, and there was just like crazy reactions. First of all, Carmelita Jetter officially got to give her the throne of fastest woman alive, something that Jeter – was very proud of, and she used that hashtag fastest woman alive in all of her tweets. It was like her email signature for, you know, her entire time on the internet. Um, and now she finally has to give that up. She can't call herself the fastest woman alive. Uh, so she was happy for Shelly Ann. But I think the tweet of the, the ultimate reaction tweet had it been from Shakari Richardson. We got to put that up. This was... It just got me excited for the Tokyo Olympics. It got me excited to see like her and Shelly Ann go up against each other. Because when you see someone break run 10-6 and your immediate reaction is, you're welcome, and you weren't even in the race, <laughs> she tweeted, my presence in the track game, making history happen, no need for thank you, fire emoji. <laughs> this is so great. Look at this. There's 522 quote tweets, meaning there's a lot of people – reacting to it probably jamaican fans who are like how dare you say that you are the reason for shelly Ann's greatness but that's what you want you want the 20 21 year old to be like you're welcome and then that just builds <laughs> up the tokyo final even more and we need more of this we need more shikari richardson's in our sport to just like she's like troll she's trolling and people are just eating it up you gotta love it uh and I know she knows in the back of her mind, like, like, whoa, Shelly Ann is legit. And she's excited. She's excited that yeah. she's not she knows that there's someone else on this globe who isn't gonna who's gonna challenge her. And I think that she's like, Oh, okay. Now I know 10 is not enough. This is great. This is gonna get me to be a 10-6 runner quicker than I expected. And well, hell, he, listen. If they're both on fire, we could see a 10-5-9, I think, at the Olympic final. It, if they're both on fire. Uh, slow down a little bit with that. But listen, even if no, even if Fraser Price didn't run this time, like if they're say their season best stayed the same heading into the into the Tokyo Olympics. Just say they continued on the exact same trajectory. So Richardson goes in with a 10-7. Fraser Price had that win in Doha in 10-8. I think a lot of the track world would have still gone with Fraser Price because they'd have said the championship experience is worth something and this is a whole different ball game. And, and we're going to go with experience and pick Fraser Price. But now that she has that time, right, she's got the time advantage and she has the, the medal advantage, advantage her for the moment. But you're right. Two people, 1072, 
or faster. This women's race is amazing. Not to mention, I mean, look at this. Thompson Hurrah has run 10.78. Natasha Morrison, who was second in that race against Fraser Price, 10.87. Jamaica is, is loaded in this event. And the women's 100 is, is, is where it's at this year. The women's 100 is going to be sensational. I think those are going to be the fastest times we see this year. I don't want to throw cold water on it. I don't want to put limits on it. But I think those will be the two fastest times. But it doesn't matter. At this point, the, st the stage has been set. Richardson goes 10-7 again and again and again. Fraser Price, um, what, she got fourth in that race in Gateshead? So finished behind her and Asher Smith. Weather was terrible. But then she counters with a 10-6. Are you kidding me? She counters with a 10-6? Like, this is going to be great. In six weeks, ten six is low. amazing. 10-6 low. I want to fast forward. 10 six nine. We're talking 10-6-3. I just want to fast forward to the Olympic final right now. Asher Smith, you have to put her in the equation as well. This this women's hundred is just leaped up, in my opinion, as one of the must-watch events in the program. Yeah, and you scroll back up on like you show Jamaica has what three of the top, three of the top four? four? Yeah. Hey, Jamaica's four by one. They're they're going to be good. I mean, when you have a ten six and a ten seven. Current a current ten six and a current ten seven on your and a ten eight on your squad. That's a that's gonna be a quick leg. four by one. USA's USA's gonna have to really battle to be in the mix with Jamaica, especially if those three run well. I mean, I guess USA if if obviously Richardson will be on it right now, but then you kind of have younger people like Tunisia Terry, C Cambria Sturgis. Uh, mm -hmm. And then obviously you have the older guard like Aaliyah Hobbs now and uh, a few others like Akino Sin and but mm -hmm. like yeah USA is gonna have to this has a lot normally like it was the men's USA team that always was like USA women were always good at kind of showing up when it mattered most to be able to put themselves mm -hmm. in gold medal position but they're gonna it could be like a changing of the guard where like the men now are going to be able to dominate the four by one and the women are going to have to struggle to get just to get second. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, but who would you be? Your, what would be your four by one right now? Well, I want to mention Tiana, Tiana Bartoletta dropped a sub 11 over the weekend. Yeah. 96. So don't count her out. Who would be my four by one for the U S on the women's yeah, side? The women. I mean, I would want to see the final at the, at the Olympic trials. I just, it's too close. I mean, it's, Richardson. Yeah. It's, I, I wish I had a more uh, dynamic, interesting, controversial pick for you, but I don't have any strong feelings because I don't know who separated themselves from the other folks there. But uh, Richardson. I would say Richardson, Richardson, Hobbs, uh, Terry, and then that fourth spot, a vet. Find one like one of the vets. Like, Do you know? A, yeah. An Akinison like a, like or an a Bartoletta yeah. type. Yeah. Okay. Do you know where it's really a mess, though? Will be the U.S. men's men's four by one. That's where it's going to be a mess because you have Bromel and they're solid, and he drops a ten nine. Excuse me, a nine seventy seven over the weekend. Nine seventy seven becomes the ninth man in history to break nine eight. But in second place, Marvin Bracy out of nowhere, nine eighty five. So you have this insane list. If you go to the men's 100 world list right now. U.S. is all over the top 15 here. 
with several guys who have run 9-9 low, 9-8 high. Obviously, Bromel, you feel good about as that lock. But who's going to get these other spots at the trials, Gordon? Is it going to be a Baker, Isaiah Young, Gatlin, Bracey's in the mix? Oh, what about Noah Lyles? Don't forget about Noah Lyles, a person coming into the year that we thought would for sure make the team. It's cliche to say it, but I think that anybody in that final could get top three. They're clo- unless there's some huge injury news or, or news or big scratches coming. I think it's going to be Bromel, a tiny little gap, and then it's going to be almost a blanket finish there for those other spots. It is just so deep right now. We'll put up the men's hundred in the United States list, which basically is the world list right now because <laughs> there's not too many people. There's there's not like if you look at the world list, it's oh this is the world list. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, First person, uh, not from the U.S., tied for fifth. There's th- what, three guys, three non-U.S. guys in the top ten, but there's a lot of U.S. there. Man, it's just like you can come up with a reason for, like, and against, like, eight different people for that second and third spot. And this is without – and it, it's all going to get changed again a week from now when we're going to see Terrence Laird, Matt Bowling – and Lance Lang and all these guys, Javon Martin run out of their mind probably in the NCAA final. Like, we're going to have a bunch of – like, if Terrence Laird goes out and runs like a 9-8, then all of a sudden we're like, okay. I mean, he's already run a 9-8. It was wind-aided. But, like, it's really really hard to decide who that 2-3 is. I don't know, man. Like – because you have the Gatlin factor, because he has the experience, he's been consistent, mm-hmm. and then you just have so many other like not Jalen Slade, the high school kid, he's run ten oh nine. So here's I don't the wild know, part about it: it I is, don't think any of us would have predicted at the beginning of the season that Bromel would be a nine seven seven guy, but it's almost coming to the point where he needed to be a nine seven. I think if we said at the beginning of or at the beginning of of twenty twenty. Hey, if Bromel gets down into the 995s, that's like a huge accomplishment or 99 low. But it's a good thing he's yeah. gotten back to where he is and exceeded where he's been because everybody else is just like right there. I mean, 9.77 obviously puts him in rare company, but with how deep the U.S. is this year, I mean, can you imagine if Coleman was there? That, yeah, I can't imagine. I, I know we did a whole segment on is the after Isaiah Young ran his nine eighty nine like no can no allows make the one hundred team, and now with adding Marvin Bracy with the nine eighty five. I think we we might be seeing a. I mean, I don't want I don't want to make my official pick, but I think the team could be Bromel. Don't don't hold me to this. Mm-hmm. I think sure. Bromel. Uh, we'll stop recording. You don't need to make a we'll pick. Don't make a pick now. Okay, no, I won't make, make a pick. pick. But here, here's the thing. Uh, I'll hold it off. You, you've talked about this before, where it's not just about doing it once. You like to pick the, the people who do it a bunch of times. Okay, yes. but now you have a situation where there's a lot of people who have done it maybe one time. And that has to be concerning for someone like a Lyles, because all it takes is one person recapturing the magic. 
and then you're going to be in trouble because you could discount one person running a, an, an amazing time in May or April or early June and say, okay, let's see them do it after a bunch of rounds of the trials. But now you have multiple people who have run these times and some of them have done it on a number of occasions. Like we talked about young being a guy who's, who's been in the mix. Bracey's run fast. It's been a while, but he's, he's run fast. There's fewer people that you can discount now than you could before. And I think it's going to make for a very interesting battle for those, those three spots. The only person I feel good about, the only person anybody should feel good about is, is Trayvon Bromel. And that's just because he's running out of his mind. Another, another member of the no lean at the line club this weekend. I remember when I did a podcast with Bromel a few months ago, uh, I'm not sure if he said it on the pod or off the pod, but he did mention, I was like, Oh, so who's like, uh, going to make the team with you? Like, who's like, who, who's, who's going to get second and third. And he's like, Oh, definitely. It's we're It's going to be me and, Bro- and, and Marvin going one, two. And at the time, <laughs> Marvin Bracey had only run like 10, two. And then had like not really run anything like to be even be in the category. Obviously he made the team in 2016, but like he had done nothing publicly that would even anyone would even put on their, on their list of potential finalists. Right. And mm-hmm. he just said, it's like, Oh no, they're there. And then as soon as he runs 985, I'm like, Oh, Romel clearly knew something that we did not know because obviously he's mm-hmm. a training partner. He knew that maybe he's running 10-2 publicly, but as we get closer to the trials, he's going to be a 9-8 guy, and clearly uh, Romel knew. So it'll be kind of well, – they're two Florida boys. They train together. They both made the team in 2016. I'm sure he's, he's – him and Marvin are thinking, like, this is our destiny. We're going to do it again. Everyone is talking about the Gatlins, the Lyles, and the college kids, but it's going to be – Bromel and Bracey, which would be a crazy one-two punch to think about oh my that being a 2021 team because they both were kind of like forgotten. Bromel with all the injuries, you thought his career's over. Bracey gave up. He decided to do fo- try football again, mm-hmm. and you thought, okay, he he's not going to make it, make a comeback. And if they both be able to get back in 2016 uh, in 2021, they'll be insane. So you could have yeah. I, insane odds a couple of years ago oh, yeah that parlay yeah on a on a so bracy and bromel between 2018 and 2019 combined guess how many races they ran one two and they're from bromel two. in one season <laughs> bracy didn't run 18 19 bromel didn't run 18 he ran twice in 2019 a couple of 10 fives I mean, the chances at, of this happening a couple of years, even 20, look at, this is 2020, uh, this is 2020 Bracey, all right? 1031. 2017, yeah. you went 1039. <laughs> That's just like insane. How, at the right time, some, some, They're peaking yeah, at the right time. Timing it. Never in doubt. Yeah, it's <laughs> never in doubt. You, you, they, they know that there's no glory in being good in off years or being good in pandemic years. The only matter is you just got to be good in Olympic years. And Bracey could could have the wildest career to be a two-time Olympian 
where he's had multiple seasons where he's not even breaking 10 seconds. And if you're yeah, a two-time Olympian in the hardest event to make, which is the men's 100 in the U.S., so one of the hardest to make. So, yeah, it'll be insane if they make it. So we'll see. There's three more There's three more results I want to touch on, and then I want to get to NCAAs, if that's okay with you. Does that sound good? Sounds good, man. Okay, so we'll start first here with – let's talk about Josh Kerr's 331. Let's just talk about Portland Track Festival in general. Kerr, 331, and Central runs all three heats of the 800. Your thoughts? Uh, third, 331 is what we expect. I think that's exactly what Kerr is. Kerr is a 331 guy. He has sh- him and Oliver Horror have shown that they are we kind of creating the range of what they are, right? The sixth to third range in the world when it comes to the final. And now they're consistently consistently putting together even more impressive 1500s. And hey, if Kirk can run 331, there should be that that like the fact that it's the fat this also goes to prove my point. The fact that 331 is the fastest 1500 meter on US soil, there's a reason for that because for some reason the 1500 on the US side, we don't have the ability to run as fast as what I think they're capable of. And Kerr now running the second fastest time in the world. A month or two ago, he was in the six, he was in the seven to four range. I think he's now sneaking up into the five to second range. Right. Mm. I think I could okay. see him upsetting an Ingebrigtsen or Chariot. You know, I, I'm not ready to say oh. he could win. I'm not ready to say he could win. But I do think he could get all the way up to second because crazy things happen in the Olympics. But the rise of Kerr to go from, you know, middling guy who could maybe get sneak into a final to now a solid final guy to now what I think is, hey, you have a good shot to get second or third. You know, if you have an amazing race, you get second. If you have a solid race, you can get third. Uh, shows the development of Kerr. And give up props to Coach Danny Mackey, Brooks Beast. He, he found one, and he's able to to create, you know. I mean, if if Josh Kerr was an American doing this and he was on Brooks Beast, everyone would be, like, freaking, flipping out and be like, oh, my God, like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, there will be a lot more – crazy reaction to it because but because u.s media is kind of only going to really focus on u.s athletes it can kind of go under the radar but hey look at that list bring it up there was a great era in middle middle distance ncaa competition josh kerr there second oliver there seventh justin knight eighth and then i guess craig angles down there in tenth so not too bad for the ncaa system right to give us a, a night, a whore, and a cur. So, mm-hmm. as for Centro, gets a good workout in. It would have been cool to see him in this race against Kerr, but I think he's confident in his position going into yes. the trials. Runs a you know 150, 149, just some negative splits. His recovery was just basically when the women were running there. 800. I do like the fact that in the results, they listed him as Matt Centrowitz, Matthew Centrowitz two, and then Matthew Centrowitz three, because he appears three different times. I did not know that that was allowed, but pretty amazing. One question I'm wondering, did he have to pay three entry fees? Do you know that Gordon? Can we, can we get a, uh, anyway. okay. I think, I think, he had, I think he had to get two different, did he have did the real question? He had to do three COVID tests. Like he had to do a COVID test for oh, each okay. individual. Enter, you know, 
but three parking passes. I mean, what do you, what, what, do you, what do you think of that that workout? One forty. He so the order of the workout was, I think he did a one fifty first. It was like one fifty, yeah. one forty nine, and one fifty three. So, what do you think that says about his fitness? I mean, obviously, I think he's fit. He's proven it with his three thirty five or three thirty four. So, what do you think? Here's what I know. A couple months ago, he ran a 150, and that was the only thing he did that day. He did not do two yeah. other 800s. And now he's doing a 149 after he just did a 150. I'm not a rocket scientist or a, a Jerry Schumacher, but that seems to be good. And coming on the heels of 335, I do think it's funny. I mentioned this the other day. Remember the rumors that Shelby did a workout instead of running? Or she did a time trial instead of running that last uh, 1500. So, yeah. so you have one Bowerman person uh, skipping the race to do a workout. And then you have another Bowerman athlete in Centrowitz doing a workout in a race. It's kind of like all flipped upside down. It's kind of interesting how they did it. <laughs> Zigging and zagging there for Jerry, Schum- Jerry Schumacher. <coughs> Excuse me. I, I read it as how confident is Centro in himself. And this to me is a sign that he's very confident because he wouldn't show up and do this publicly if he didn't think it was going to go well. That's what I yeah. think. Like, you don't do a public yeah, workout think... like this if you're not fit. That's what I think. Yeah, I was talking with a friend about what uh, Centra's doing, and I just feel like the past, ever since the Olympics, I feel like there's always been kind of like a question mark around Centro with like, because he would go out and run like a 150, 800. And he wasn't, mm-hmm. he would then put together a couple of good races, but there wasn't like that dominant, like Centro is the reigning Olympic champion. Mm-hmm. He's the best in the US. You know, he would miss a USA's. He was hurt. He didn't make a final in 2017. 18 was an off year, so he didn't run as much. 19 was not the same as well. He was injured. And it, there's just so much like weirdness around Centro. This is the first season that I feel like he is like the Olympic defending champion, defending Olympic champion. Like take out that 150, but like he clearly ran well in one of those track meets uh, in California. He does this really good workout. It's the first time I have like no question marks around Centro, which is great because, you know, he just kind of, was living off of like, hey, I show up when it and when it counts, and he was doing that. But then he had a couple little weird bumps and bruises in the past four years. Mm-hmm. But now we know he's going to show up when it counts. We know he's going to probably win the trials, and we know he's going to make it to the Olympic final. And he will be, depending how the race tactics play out, be in contention to medal if not win. So, I mean, the cherry off factor is really going to affect whether yeah. or not. She- Sancho's winning an Olympic gold. So if yeah. Chariot does what he does, then Sancho's not winning gold. But if he doesn't, then Sancho could win gold. So. Uh, David in the chat says that Sancho did the 3800s thing in 2016 as well, too. Maybe he's just taken a page from a successful playbook. Anybody who's, if you talk to Sancho, he's a student of the sport and he has almost an encyclopedic knowledge of everybody's performances and his own performances and he knows exactly where he needs to be at the exact time or one time i was talking to him and he mentioned i think it was a race um 
some some prelim race he was confident that he was going to qualify because the split he came through at 800 was like the similar to like a pack 12 800 he raced against Corey prim like five years before it was just on it was it was it was uncanny the way he recalled the split and apparently did it in the moment and it gave him confidence that he can close because he did it in in a pack 12 meet basically going one-on-one against another guy it was it was very strange so i uh in 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 an impressive way i think he is really able to know exactly what he needs especially as it pertains to the u.s about how to make a team and that's what he's doing and I think he's doing taking the exact steps he needs to make sure he can win that trials fifteen hundred. So let's talk about McLaughlin real quick. Do you quick. think do you, one last conspiracy theory hat, put it on my tinfoil hat. Do you think one of the reasons Centro did this workout publicly was to play mind games with the field and be like, oh, okay, like to like intimidate the rest of the US fifteen hundred meter runners? Be like, yeah, this is what I am. One, you know I'm an Olympic champion, but look, I'm fit. This is the mm-hmm. workout. Yeah. And kind of they're gonna be kind of more nervous to challenge Centro because they know like oh Centro is still legitimate. Well, I don't know. What would have been like mind games? What know. would have been more impressive? What would have been more impressive? This workout or him running against Josh Kerr and running a three thirty three? In your opinion. Uh well lo- losing the job in three thirty three, yeah Kerr still runs a three thirty one but Central runs a three thirty three. To me the more impressive result would have been the three thirty three because it's like oh damn that's two seconds faster than he ran before, and there's not a lot of yeah people but it's a loss it's a loss though right exactly exactly yeah exactly this leaves out that air of mystery of like well how good a shape is he could he have run yeah. with Kerr we don't know and also he knows he doesn't need time trialing 331s to get ready back to my early point he knows he doesn't need yeah. that what he needs is that devastating wind up that really strong last 800 in particular that really strong last quarter he knows that that's what's going to push him over the edge and and separate him from the group so for him there's no value in that so i get why he's doing that would i like to see him race josh Kurt? obviously anybody who's a track fan wants to see the you know two of the best guys run against each other but i think for him this made a lot more sense and the intimidation factor maybe is part of it as well too i'm not going to let you stop me anymore we're talking about sydney now all right let's do it. sorry so anybody who thought she was going to take a little while to get adjusted to the foreign hurdles after running the high hurdles uh we're in for a rude awakening uh sydney mclaughlin runs 52 83 one of her fastest times ever in fact it was faster than her her trials uh, Olympic champ, oh, sorry, U.S. champs race in in 2019 when she was runner up to Dilla Muhammad when Muhammad ran the world record. So all is well in the McLaughlin world. She's obviously now a lock to make the team, as if if she wasn't before, but we hadn't seen it yet. She looked fine. Going over hurdle nine looked like she chopped her steps a bit. Other than that, looked really clean, looked really good. Muhammad. This weekend ran a 54.5, so she ran a little bit faster than before. But I think we're looking at a McLaughlin, Muhammad, Little team in some in some order. Yeah, I remember there was a time where it was like, could Little win the 400 hurdles? It's like, that's gone now. Little's not winning the 400 hurdles. It's, McLaughlin is going to be the favorite, if not. I mean, Muhammad, we have to give still like the 
Mm-hmm. She's done it before. She's world record holder and Olympic champion. Uh, but I guess who would you say is a favorite? Is it Muhammad, the con- who has done in the past? Is it McLaughlin, who's run fast now? Or is it Little, who's kind of just running consistently quick multiple times? For the trials? Yeah. What's your order? I think right now I would take Sidney McLaughlin. Me too. Trials. And you, you can say recency I, bias, but yeah. here's the thing. 2019, she wasn't that far behind her. It's not like yeah. there was this huge gap between uh, McLaughlin and Muhammad. In fact, McLaughlin beat her a couple times. Now Muhammad won when it counts at the trials and at the World Championships. Broke the world record twice, but we're only a few days away. So I think McLaughlin is is the favorite going into Eugene. Now, what does that mean for the Olympics? I don't think a whole heck of a lot because then you got a bunch of time then to get ready. We don't really yeah. remember the trials champion that much, particularly if the Olympic champion finished second or third at the trials. But for this race coming up in two weeks, I'd take McLaughlin because she looked she looked real good, and we just haven't seen that yet in 2021 from Muhammad. Do you think we're going to see a bunch of uh, racing between the trials and the Olympics? Do I think we're going to see a bunch of racing between the trials and the Olympics? By people who make the team? Yes. Yes. I think so. I think there's enough opportunities in Europe. I think there's going to be, because it's in Tokyo, there's going to be a desire to get overseas, perhaps, quicker. I don't know, man. I've been wrong on all this guessing who's going to race when and how many races are going to be because I didn't <laughs> think anybody would really go overseas. Uh, and then all, like so many Americans were in in Doha and in Gateshead. Like, I've been wrong on yeah. a lot of this. And we just haven't been out there as much to talk to people. Nice. I just wonder because I'm looking at uh... – is this is Sydney. Yes, yeah, Sydney's uh 2019 400 hurdles. Like it's kind of like she ran her first 400 hurdles on June 7th, and I was like, that seems kind of late. But comparing mm-hmm. it to last in 2019, she had only run two 400 hurdles by June 13th, right? Yeah, but look so at what trials was last year. Exactly, trials that's was what end I'm, of July. Yeah, exactly, and I think that's probably why things are kind of shifted. What? Why? Like, hey, maybe she's recognizing like it's okay to not. I guess the world's was in October, so that is different as well. But I don't know how many four hundred well, hurdles. Look she at run? it this way. Yeah. Look at it this way. She ran her first. Go back to twenty nineteen. She ran her first four hundred meter hurdle race. It looked like seven weeks before trials, right? May eleventh, she ran her first four hundred hurdle race, and then the trials uh, race was on July twenty seventh. So about ten weeks or so. This time she's running her first hurdle race, you know, two weeks, weeks, two weeks before. Yeah. Yeah. This is why I don't put, I try not to put as much stock into that's her fastest debut ever, or she's never run this fastest early. Cause it's, it means different things in different seasons. And the fact that she's raced a bunch in these high hurdle races, but didn't run a four meter hurdle race means that her debut whenever she runs a four-meter hurdles is going to be different than in years past because she just hasn't done it like this before. So I don't think you can put too much stock into that other than, hey, she ran one of the fastest times of her life uh, a couple weeks before the trials. It it 
it's reasonable to consider that she's going to run right at her PR or maybe even faster at the trials. Yeah. Don't talk about the final final race, that interesting race, I guess. No, or notable I want to talk result. about, we, we want, let's talk about NCAAs because we're running out of time. Okay. We're NCAAs starting on, on Wednesday. So we're not going to preview every single event in the 10 minutes that we have left, but. Do, I do have breaking news. I do have breaking news. Okay. So we're never going to talk right? about NCAAs. Basically. No, we'll talk, we talk can talk about, about dude, here's the thing. We can talk about NC. We're going to talk about it for four straight days. Uh, Kira D'Amato just announced that she's not running the trials. On Instagram. Injury? Uh, Travis, you want to pull up her uh, her Instagram? He might have left. I don't know. Uh, she says, I'm not even sure what to say, so I'll rip the Band-Aid off. I will not be competing at the U.S. Olympic trials later this month. Sport can be funny day in and day out. You're pushing your physical and mental limits training uh, on a razor's edge in pursuit of personal limits. The fall of 2020, I was able to push those limits and accomplish some incredible personal feats, unfortunately. This spring season was on the other side of that equation. It's been humbling, but it's part of the sport, part of my journey. All I can do now is learn the lesson, shake it off, press restart, and start training towards the fall. I'm down, but I'm not out. Thank you for all those who believe in me and supported me. This was a hard post to write because I feel part of the enormous team of people pursuing their second chance or round two, quote, please don't feel sorry for me. This is just might be the kick in the pants I needed to accomplish a new level of goals. And plus, I've always enjoyed the scenic route. Hey, I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of, of having to pull out the trials. What she did is incredible. Her marathon times speak for themselves. Um, and I think this is, in the, and it's going to be a blessing in disguise. She's going to be able to focus on the fall marathon season, run a, even better. Maybe, you know, she wasn't going to make the team at the Olympic trials. Like, what's going to be more enjoyable? Like, running at the Olympic trials and finishing 8th to 12th? Or going to a major and maybe finishing top three. Like, mm-hmm. I think that is going to be more rewarding. And in the end, I think it's going to be okay for her. But, uh, man, she, so you she see was her that in the weird wild. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. She, she ran really well at the, the December marathon, right? Uh, the mm-hmm. marathon project. Marathon project. I think she's, yep. she's going to, if, if she finds a way to get to herself for what she was last fall, I can't, I don't see her especially in a diluted field of everyone's going to be spread out because all the marathons are in the fall. There's an opportunity to sneak into a third place spot at New York or Chicago. I don't know. It could happen. So what are your thoughts? No, I, I think because of the amount of fall marathons, that's a, that's a true point. I guess she didn't really say why she's not running the trials there. I mean, we are always assume something like an injury, here, but yeah. she was good in so many events and that's a good problem to have, but I could also see how it would be a little bit of a curse too. Cause you're just like jumping around trying to figure out, especially yeah. if you're in the same range, like, Oh, I'm fifth to 15th best in the country in three different events. Well, you'd rather be firmly in the top three in one event than have uh, the position of being on the outside, looking in on three different events. So yeah, maybe this will help her zero in on the, on the marathon takes a little bit of depth, obviously out of that, out of five and five and 10, but there's obviously plenty of women there who will fill in that spot. 
So you successfully filibustered to make sure we never talk about the NCAA. I'm always telling you on this show. I'm always telling you on the show. Let's talk about the NCAA more. Well, here's the like, thing. No, let's not. We talked about the NCAA last pod. We're gonna do. We'll, okay. we'll talk. We have so much time to talk about the NCAA this week, starting right, on so Wednesday night. It's gonna be great. We'll talk about let's Jenny. Talk about Jenny and yeah. Well, what are your thoughts? Jenny, and then you can do 60 seconds of Sixers. Okay, so Jenny Simpson, she gets second to Danielle Aragon at the Festival of Miles race. Better, obviously, than the 410. But I went back and looked at Jenny's long history of, of making teams, and she's in a spot that she's not been in yet in her career. And since she moved to running the 1500, so starting in 2011, every year – prior to the U.S. champs or the Olympic trials, she had at least one, what I would call quality win or a quick time. Maybe she would go to Europe and get fifth or sixth in a race, but she'd run 359. She'd stay here in the U.S. and maybe she wouldn't run as fast, but she'd win Drake or she'd finish third at pre. There was always something to hang your hat on heading into the trials. The concerning part about to me is the the closing speed. Aragon was behind her with 400 to go and then passed her. Can she get that fixed in a couple weeks? Perhaps, and as Jenny Simpson, you know she's going to be able to manage herself through the rounds. I see this going one of two ways, at least from how we perceive it. One, she runs that first round and looks amazing chills with the pack and then just this huge burst with 200 to go and then shuts it down with 50 to go. And we're like, okay, she's back. It just took her a couple of weeks, but Jenny's back. Anybody who picked against her is going to get their racer out or hit the delete key and, and, and mark it off. Or she's gonna, I would expect her still to make it through to the final, but it's going to be a fight just to get through the final. And that's going to make us want to say, you know, Hey, Maybe this is the year that the streak finally comes comes to an end. But I think this performance was right on the edge. It gave enough evidence to believe that she could do it in a couple of weeks. But also it's like you're you're if you're getting beat by Danny Aragon, well, you're gonna have a tough time beating Houlihan, Purrier, Johnson, Hiltz, uh, if Kate Grace runs it, Heather McClay. I'm sure that I'm missing Shannon Osika. There's a lot of people there in that mix that you're going to be contending with if you can't beat Aragon. Yeah. I mean, I, it's, yeah, I just agree with you. I don't know what else to add. I mean, again, this, this is also just a weird situation, right? Not situation, but there's so many great athletes that there's a point when all of a sudden it's just, it's not the same as what they were a few years ago. And no one can dominate uh, an event group for forever, right? It all comes to an end eventually. And everyone wants that fairy tale ending where you end it with like a gold and then, you know, you have the, the uh, John Elway touchdown moment and then you retire into the sunset. But some people kind of hold on. I mean, there was a time when Leo Manzano was like just dominating every 1,500. He'd show up at the trials when it mattered most and be always be top three and he, he would make a team. But then there was that year where he just wasn't the same, and then it was over. And I think maybe the pandemic probably could have hurt 
Jenny probably Simpson the most, right? I think maybe if the Olympics were in 2020 and that one less year of age and training would have been able to allow for Jenny to squeak in one more, you know, dominant season to be able to be at the top on, in the U.S. ranks. But based on what we've seen so far, I have to agree with you. I don't. I don't think. I don't think she has it this year. I think the the rest of the young groups have caught up with her and have passed her. We literally saw it. Danny Aragon made the pass of her. Um, but I think mm-hmm. I think she'll still be able to gut it out and make a final. But I just mm-hmm. don't think she's going to have that that kick in that final two hundred, final three hundred to really be anywhere near the top three. There's just too much other talented runners out there, and especially the 1500. I mean, you know, L and and Shelby are taking two of the spots, so that's not like it's really. Can she beat out all of those others that you named for that one spot? I just don't see that happening. I think so. Here the other, to me, I think a successful race for her will be like finishing sixth. Like I'll be like, whoa, I didn't see that. Jenny finished sixth. That would be impressive to me. But that being said, would you be out? Would you be surprised if she pulled off a third place finish? Like, like if I told you Houlihan and Perrier gap the field, and it's a four woman race with two hundred to go for that third spot, and Jenny pulls it out, would you be surprised? I wouldn't. Here's the people. Here's the non Perrier. Here's a non Perrier, non Perrier slash Houlihan group. Oseek that have run faster than her this year. And I know it's 1,500 times on everything, but this is just a, a list here. Osika, Cranny, Grace, Jones, Coburn, Schlachterhafen, Schneider, McLean, McGee, Barnett, Aragon, Lancaster, Hiltz, Cash, Johnson, Norris. Those are the people who have run quicker than her other than than Perrier and I guess Shelby didn't have the time this year. Here's the thing. Here's what here's – what, more than the off year because, I mean, we can debate forever – who was helped and hurt by the cancellation. The five and the 10 overlapping hurt her here because instead of having two options, she has just one. And yeah. I think the five would, would have been an interesting thing to pursue, especially if that final kick is not there for her because yes, the five is hard, but you could see, Jenny figuring a way to get on the team in that event, or at least giving herself a second shot. Now, maybe some other women would have, you know, taken advantage of that as well too. Undoubtedly, that would have been the case, but B. Simpson ran 1450 indoors at the beginning of 2020. She had a good mark in the 5,000. I was thinking this 1500 kind of reminds me of like the change of guard where you had the Solomon and Nick, Simmons, Dwayne Solomon, mm-hmm. Nick Simmons, and that guard kind of changed to now be Bryce Hopple and Donovan Brazier, slash Clayton Murphy a bit. You could Hopple and Murphy. Murphy kind of goes back and forth between the fifteen and the eight, and then here in the in the fifteen hundred, you have the Shannon and uh, Jenny battle back and forth where they're breaking each other's records. Uh, but one would argue that's not really a back and forth because I remember when I interviewed Jenny, she's like. I beat her all the time. He told me, she told me. So I was like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> but that, that was in Monaco when she's, she, she wanted to correct me. He's like, she, she hasn't beat me that often. I was like, oh, okay, okay, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you yeah, had that dynamic and now kind of that 
has been kind of change of the guard has been given to El Perrier and, Sh- and Shelby Houlihan. So a great, you know, and I think that's great. You can, yeah, great back and forth between, you know. But uh, here's the thing, though. Dwayne and, the, and Nick and I have. The guard might have anyway. changed. The guard might have changed, right? Houlihan was better than her in 19. Beater finished ahead of her at in in Doha, but she was still good enough to make the team. Yeah, and that's why we're not, and that's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about is she going to win the trials? Is can she continue this insane streak? Because this goes back to 07. That's like when Simmons was making teams. You talk about Simmons and and Solomon. If they were continuing yeah. through till today, that's what we'd be talking about with with people making like the longevity here is is unprecedented and and I, it doesn't matter to me the question isn't if she if she wins the trials or not the question is can she just squeak out a top three i'm still giving her a a shot i'm still giving her a shot but i think after this weekend it's it's a long shot for sure better than she was but still behind a, a lot of of quality women need something to go right Speaking of being behind, let's go to you for the 60 seconds of Sixers. I will put the time on the clock. We will do this, and then we will get out of here and see people on Wednesday. Ready, set, go. You keep on giving me these 60-second takes during the worst times of the being a Sixers fan, whether it was right after Joel Embiid's injury, now it's after the down 0-1. But they're going to – they looked fine. I mean, the second half, they were much better. They were rusty. Joel, they didn't know about Joel Embiid. Everything's going to be fine. As long as they win on Tuesday, I'll be okay. And I'll say this. I keep comparing them to the 2015 Golden State Warriors. In the second round of the playoffs in 2015, Golden State mm-hmm. went down 2-1 to one in the second round to the, to the number five seed Memphis Grizzlies. So, hey, they're supposed to be down. That's what happened to the Warriors before their dynasty started. This is going to happen to the Sixers here. You beat down early. It kind of it gets you ready for when it matters most. So you, if you go down in the Eastern Conference Finals or the Finals, you know what it feels like. This is go out. They're going to win by 15 in Game Two, and all will be right in the time. Way. Good, good job. You did almost exactly 60 seconds. You're getting the hang of this. Well done. I'll I only offer one thing. You got to figure out a way. And I told you. Well, Patrick says hack of Ben Simmons. No, we're talking to, we're trying to find, we're trying to cheer Gordon up here. I told you to text this to Daryl, your friend, the GM. You got to figure out a way to make Trey play defense. You yes, can't just yeah. let him sit in the corner on Danny Green the entire game. He cannot defend. The one time Danny Green got the ball at the elbow, he drove right by Trey Young. Danny Green is not a dribble drive player. That's how much of a liability Trey Young is on defense. You cannot just let him stand there in the corner. You, Doc, Daryl, put your heads together, figure it out. I mean, if you look at the box score, all of our starters were like plus five to plus 13, and all their starters were minus five to minus 13. Like Trey Young was a minus eight or 10. So, and, well, and B was a plus 13. Yeah. Well, no, no, the main reason we played an all bench lineup when they went up 14. So we just made mistakes in the first round, in the first half. We'll be fine. Hey, here we, we go. We weren't going to go right. sixteen zero. We weren't. It's fine. Wednesday, ten twenty p.m. Tune in to this channel. That's Central Time, so yes. nine twenty Mountain, eight twenty p.m. Pacific, eleven twenty Eastern. After 
day one of the NCAA championships. We will be here to recap it. It'll be a lot of fun. Tune in. Gordon will dive deep on that first 10K. We'll talk about the prelim results. It'll be exciting. We'll see you guys then. Thanks to Travis. Thanks to Colt. Flow Track Podcast. Subscribe. And we're back again.